SAFM. Okay, quick look at the rugby then. Springboks losing to the to the Wallabies this past weekend, having won in Australia uh, since uh, 2013. And Mike Greenaway, uh, Greenaway rugby journalist at IOL, joins us on the line. Mike, good evening. Thanks for taking our call on SAFM. Yeah, good evening. Are we going to discuss the bad news? Yes, and that's why we've brought you here, um, <laughs> Mike, to discuss uh, look, the... If you're looking for answers, I don't think the Springboks have got the answers either because this thing of losing in Australia has been going on for decades now. Uh, just a little statistic for mm. you. Um, since rugby turned professional in 1996, the box have played in Australia 30 times. They've uh, drawn two games. They've won five and they've lost 23. So this is like a major psychological block that they have because Australia generally are not a better rugby team than the Springboks, but our guys just can't seem to switch on uh, when they land in Sydney. It's it's an ongoing thing. And, you know, the curious uh, aspect of this loss is that they targeted this this game in Adelaide for, for months now because they've been talking about this, this hoodoo of, of losing in Australia. And um, they had two major uh, goals this year, and that was to the back-to-back uh, victories over the All Blacks. Okay, they got 50% of that right and then to win in Australia. So they were completely psyched up for it. They'd done all their preparation. They did everything they were supposed to do. They took the field, and <laughs> they were pretty much hopeless for especially the first 20 minutes. I mean, they they just didn't really play. They, they, they weren't at the races. So it is a very, very curious thing. And um, obviously they get another chance this Saturday in Sydney. So yeah. um, let's hope they pull their socks up. Yeah, and there's no New Zealand this time around that they play after being in Australia because in the past they were saying maybe we were too focused on New Zealand and forgot about Australia and there's no New Zealand this time around. But the selection was also questioned even before the game, Mike. Were you one of those? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that the Springboks uh, selectors was basically the coaching staff that select the team. They've got themselves into a, a very tight corner. I think they've, they've overcomplicated um, things. You see, what they're trying to do, and I understand what they're doing, is they're trying to grow depth ahead of next year's World Cup. Um, and they're trying to get as many players um, as match fit as possible. So they've got plenty of options when they do get to France, and that's in about a year's time. The problem is that they're sacrificing a 100% chance of winning games by doing that. Um, it's, it's They're messing around with selection where... Honestly, the best thing to do is select your best team for the Saturday in front of you, win the game, establish a winning culture, get that winning momentum, and let that take you through to the World Cup because um, success success breeds success. And I just think they, they're getting too far ahead of themselves by, by um, messing with the selection, not always picking the best 15. And uh, I think they've now got themselves into a little bit of a of a tight corner because they've played six games now this year and they've lost three. So that's mm. 50%. Um, there's no winning momentum. Uh, the pressure's now mounting uh, on the coach. People, if they lose a game on Saturday, um, yeah, there's, there's going to be serious questions now uh, as, as to whether he can take us through to the World Cup. So mm. I think they've got ahead of themselves. And um, if, they, if they could do it over again, 
I'm pretty sure they'd go back to keeping it simple, selecting the best team, winning on Saturday. The following week, we do the same. And and just on those on on that note, which selections are questionable for you, Mike? Look, I, I, I think bringing back a, a 36-year-old and, and Duane Vermeulen, who hasn't played for a long time, um, he had a, had a knee operation. This is just one. Um, the guy should should have been playing some club or provincial rugby to get ready, but they've thrown him straight into Test match rugby and. He's, he's way off the pace. And, and the thing is, we've got such dynamic young number eights like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Evan Roos, the, <clears throat> the Stormer superstar, and, um, and Alrick Lowe from the Bulls. So we've got young, dynamic talent that could be freshening up the team. But um, like we're playing like an, an old guy who really should be using another arena to get fit. That's just one example. And there's, there's a few across the team. Um, obviously, the other one is, is hooker. Um, Malcolm Marks is probably the best hooker in the world. He's probably in the best form of his life, but they play him off the bench. And they, when, when, when they ask why, they say, no, they, they, they've got a plan that they don't want to disclose to the public. But, but <laughs> everyone's mm. just scratching their heads. This guy's so good, and yet you play him only in the second half. It's, um, so that's a bit weird. Um, a few, there's a few others are around the team, but those, those are the main ones. Um, possibly scrum half as well. Fafta um, Kleck is not playing well at all, um, and of course he got himself into to, uh, hot water on, on on Saturday with that really slap. silly <laughs> slap. Yeah, look, uh, what I'd like to say on that is, um, I mean Nick White uh, really he. <laughs> He overreacted, and he deserves all, all the um, criticism. That this comes is an Oscar. Uh, he deserves all his Oscars. But the point is, um, Fab shouldn't have, 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 have slapped him. You know, you, you don't do that at test level. I mean, you're going to be caught. The referees, if the referee doesn't see, the TMOs are going to see, the TV cameras. You, you can't do that. You can't reach out. I think he was trying to slap the ball out of the guy's hand, and, and you're not allowed to do that. So. Um, I, I think that the, the real villain is actually Faf because he should never have done that, and it cost his team dearly. They were like one meter from the, the Wallabies line at that time. It was a scrum, and um, there was the Springboks are heavy on the attack. Next thing, it's a penalty against South Africa, and they have a player sent to the bin. They, they, they've got to play ten minutes with fourteen men, and they've lost that position where they were heavily on attack. So. He um, actually hurt his team by doing something really quite juvenile. Okay, we're speaking to Mike Greenaway, rugby journalist at IOL. Let's take a, a few voice notes about the rugby. Hi, Tapisa. Please just ask Mike what he thought of the referee. I thought it was one of the poorest displays of refereeing I've ever seen in my life. Some of those decisions were really questionable. Mike is London. Remember, the kicking by Hunter Pollard uh, also contributed to our loss. Like, they should have changed the strategy, you know. As for referee Paul Williams, whatever that he smoked before the, the game, only him and the authorities know the guy costed us. You know, there's a time, uh, three if not four times, when he could have awarded penalty tries to us, but he just said penalty. There was a time when he could have sent uh, one of uh, the guys, uh, the Australians, like, 
yellow card. He didn't give them a yellow card. For what? Only he knows. Siko Smith from Magal. Professor, good evening. Good evening to Mike. Um, gentlemen, I'm going to take you back uh, to 2019. Mike, did you predict or foresee that Jacques Lineba was going to succeed Rassi Rasmus as the head coach? Because I was thinking that Rapi would advertise the post and would allow every coach around the world to apply for this post. And, he, and they appointed a physiotherapist who had no experience of coaching even in domestic rugby or even international cricket, who is not even qualified as a head coach, who was just a physiotherapist. I think these results show the incompetence of Jacques Nienaber. And if you look at his press conferences and the answers he gives to his selection decisions, he can't even explain some of his selection decisions, especially the selection of Joseph Dweber ahead of Malcolm Marks, who is undoubtedly one of the best players in the world at the moment. So for me, I would like to challenge Mark in this, and I hope he answers me very honestly. Thank you, Libra here. Okay, thanks for that, Libra. Mike, I actually read one of your articles last week, and you did the numbers on um, Jacques Nenaba's record since he took over. What does the record say, and what can you read from these numbers? Yeah. His record is just a, a drop below. Um, it is 58%. It's 58%. I think he's one nine out of... Well, my math is not good. So let's just leave it at that. I know it's 58%. But just to answer the question, um, it's, it, it is a good question. Um, and how, how it's worked is, is Rassi and, and Jacques Nienaba are actually a partnership. They're a partnership... That goes back to uh, when they were very young men, under 20 rugby players um, at the Cheetahs. And they've been friends since then. They then um, went to the Cheetahs as, as coaches. And Jacques was uh, the conditioning coach at that time. Anyway, how it works is, is, is they, they are basically a coaching partnership. They then went to Western Province. They uh, coached the Stormers, and it's always been with Jock in, 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 in the Rassi slipstream. And then they went to Munster in Ireland, um, where they were very successful. And then, of course, they went um, to the Springboks in 2018. And, and Rassi obviously was the head coach. And then after that, the last World Cup, you see, because Rassi's official title is director of rugby, and he just mm-hmm. seconded himself to the head coach position. So I think what happened after after four years of being the head coach and being in the spotlight, doing all the press conferences, Rassi wanted to step into the background. And and so that's why um, Jacques has now stepped forward into the head coach position. But Rassi and him are still a partnership. Rassi will still be advising. So, but it's not as in. Okay, maybe from what we see, Rassi is not as involved anymore because of the ban. But I'm sure he's involved behind the scene. Do you think now also the inexperience of Nenaba is starting to show then? Quite possibly, but but I'd, I would like to just reiterate that Rassi is uh, he's got Rassi's ear. Rassi, yes, can't physically be with the team. But I'm pretty sure that, that Jacques is consulting with, with Rassi on, on all the major decisions. Yeah. Long before the season started, the two of them would have sat down and they've, they've planned this whole season. They've, pla- they've, re- they've even planned the selections ahead of time. Obviously, you, got, you, you adjust when there's injuries, etc. Yeah. But they knew they were going to um, 
change up the team completely for the second test against Wales, for instance. So all those things have been pre-planned, and and I think Rafi is, is still heavily involved in, in the decisions that that Nino is actually making. Mm. Um, but Rafi just is out of the spotlight, mm. and and maybe that's not such a bad thing because when he he's in the spotlight, <laughs> he can get up and to get nonsense. Into yeah. trouble. And just a word on the referee, Mark Mike Paul Williams. I read in the report that Frank yeah. Berger not Berger not happy with him. Yeah, look, there was one really strange non-decision, I'd call it. Um, and that was when uh, Makazola Mapimpi was, looked like he was going to score a try. Oh, yeah. And the opposing wing, um, uh, Korobeti, mm. came hurtling across and and sort of dived underneath him, but made no attempt to tackle him. And that is that's a yellow card. And immediately, you, you you can't do that. You have to wrap your arms around uh, the ball carrier. And and he didn't do that. And and no one picked it up. Well, I mean, none of the officials picked it up. Everyone else did. I mean, obviously TV. We saw replay after replay. And this guy just sort of like dived under underneath Mapimpi. There was no attempt to tackle him at all. So that should have been a penalty try. And Korobeti should have been yellow carded. So that was one very, very costly uh, non-decision because he should have at least replayed it. I I can't understand why they never replayed that and then they would have picked it up. And then also I think, you know, I've spoke about Fuff and and I'm quite annoyed with with what he did. But that wasn't a yellow card either. I mean, a a lecture and, and maybe a penalty to Australia but I don't, I don't. I didn't think that warranted um, ten minutes in the bin. But I think as well the the, the referee did miss quite a lot in, in the set scrums. You know, the the Australians um, usually cannot match us um, in the forwards, especially the set scrums. We 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 historically and traditionally are, are bigger and stronger in that department. So they're very wily in how they operate in the scrums and. It's a bit of a technical term, but what I'm saying now is when the when the front rows go down, instead of absorbing the pressure from the Springbok front rows, they kind of like walk sideways. It's called called walking around the scrum mm. to try and diffuse the the um, power coming from the Springbok front row. And they kept doing that. You see the scrum wheels all the time. It almost goes in a circle, and that's and them penalized. Um, shuffling along. And uh, they never got penalised. And okay. Um, but they do. The Aussies are very clever, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons why we just can't beat them over there. Is because we like a team that we can get to grips with, like the All Blacks. We can have a physical mm. uh, tussle with them. We can wrestle them. We can. It's it's uh, two physical sides. Okay. Okay, Mike, we're going to have to leave it there just because of time and we need to take an ad break also. But yeah, lots to think about there for the Springbok coaching staff. And as, you, and as you're saying, I think uh, the coach will now start to come under scrutiny. I mean, world champions, win rate is less than 60%, can't be good enough at this stage.